and uh, welcome everyone to another edition of Pep Talk, the persuasive evangelism podcast from Solas. I'm Andy Bannister and I'm joined as ever by my wonderful co-host, Christy Mayer. Christy, how are you doing this afternoon? Hey Andy, I'm doing very well, thank you very much. My afternoon is currently powered by Diet Coke, zero sugar, zero caffeine. (laughs) I highly recommend See, quite it. frankly, that to me is just just an offence against sugary stacks because they've taken everything out. The whole point of Coke is caffeine and sugar. You've you've removed it, but, you know, it's there the we are. Balls. <laughs> there we are. Well, we are joined uh, from the other end of the country by a wonderful guest uh, on this episode of Pep Talk. We're joined uh, by uh, by Derek Lamont. Lamont, have I got that right, Derek? Your surname, Derek Lamont. Some people say Lamont, yeah. Lament. <laughs> Lamentable, yeah. Fantastic, Derek. You're coming to us from uh, from uh, from Edinburgh, where for the uh, where you are a pastor and uh, and church planter. Tell us a bit about what your life looks like. What does what does life look like for you on a regular basis with the kind of stuff that you're doing there in Edinburgh? Well, I've been a pastor here in Edinburgh for uh, 22 years. Uh, our church is right in the city centre. Um, well, it's about two minutes from the castle, actually. Um, and um, so it's a, a gathered church. So my week uh, is very varied with uh, church work and uh, reaching out uh, with the gospel and teaching and uh, pastoring and our church is very involved in church planting, so that's been a, a bit of a passion mm. for the last 12, 14 years uh, in St. Columbus, which is the name of the church. That's, um, I mean, I can't even imagine, Derek, what it's like to plant a church at all, let alone in the, in the centre of such a vibrant and dynamic and kind of diverse city. Uh, what, what has it been like for you? What have your experiences been like as you've kind of planted that church and engaged with people in the nearby community? Well, it's kind of I'm uh, I'm cheating really. I'm not. A, I haven't been a church planter as such. I was I was a pastor in a church in the Highlands, but then in 2001 we were we were called. Uh, we felt God calling us very strongly, actually, as well as the church, to uh, revitalisation work in the city centre. So there was about 20 people left. Mm. So it was kind of like a church plant, or, or more like a replant um, in the city centre. But I mean, I I came. I was brought up in Edinburgh, so I, I had a real passion for the city um, and to see the gospel in the city and I realised that St Columbus was always going to be a city centre church so really a gathered church so uh, you know we have a lot of high turnover of people a lot of students, uh, prof- young professionals mm. and um, but I reckon that uh, if we were going to reach the city a bit more effectively we would need to plant churches in communities rather than be a gathered city centre church so that vision gradually grew and developed it was it was new to the church new to the denomination at that level um and about 12 or 13 years ago we we began to plant churches through our our geographical kind of home groups was the model we had we thought the the home groups are geographical and we thought well some of them might end up be being strong enough to become church plants. And that's really what happened. So we ended up with planted four churches from mm. St. Columbus. So that's, um, that's amazing. What would you, um, so what, what are some of the particular challenges given, given that kind of urban context? I mean, I'm, I'm very struck straight away by the answer that you gave a moment ago that you came from the Highlands, which is a whole you know, different culture up there, right into the heart of Edinburgh. Um, but I know sometimes people have this sort of, sort of sense that, 
you know the, uh, the the church the city is a hard place to do ministry you know christians and some churches have over the years retreated from the city center i love that you are you literally are knowing where st columbus is i mean you couldn't almost get more downtown edinburgh and you've mm-hmm. you've gone right in there and gone this is where the gospel belongs what are some of the sort of challenges and, and opportunities that that brings trying to do ministry right there in that in that context i mean you're right it's, it's probably the most iconic situation for a church in in Scotland, in some ways, it's it's right at the top of the Royal Mile, um, and it's hugely busy um, with, uh, and particularly with tourists and international people. Um, the challenges are um, it's it's quite, and from a practical point of view, it can be quite difficult because the. The city centre is often closed for marches and races and all kinds of things. Um, and it gets incredibly busy in the summer. So we've got 10,000 people will be marching up and down the Royal Mile to the Tattoo every for three for th- three months in the summer. So it makes it difficult doing things. Uh, but we from the, from the beginning, we kind of... We focused on being a, a relationally-based church rather than a programme-based church. We decided that... Uh, our our Christian community were busy enough in life, um, so busy sometimes that they didn't have time to make to build relationships with unbelievers, and we didn't want to make that worse by by giving them lots of programs to run in the church. So basically, we focused a lot on relational uh, value and r- encourage relational evangelism, and give people the time and space to build that in their week rather than shoring up a church institution with lots and lots of different activities. So that's the kind of model we, we worked on. And that worked in the city centre because, you know, people were travelling to come to church. It wasn't like it was their community. So we really foc- try to focus on people building relationships in their communities, in their workplaces, uh, and learning to share their faith that way. That's that's such a great way of kind of approaching um, approaching how to go about kind of reaching communities through that relational that relational dynamic. Have you found that um, as you've as you yourself have kind of created friendships and relationships with others that people have particular I don't know questions or you know objections about the the Christian faith, particularly in Edinburgh? Like, is there anything there that you know that creates a particular resistance or questions kind of yeah i mean i think it's interesting i suppose it, and you know you've got you know your community you know your culture uh i think in scotland there's there's a there's certainly a degree of toxicity towards not only the institutional church but the presbyterian in, uh, institutional church and particularly the free church which is uh, the brand of, of church that i'm involved in uh, you know they see john knox and they talk about john knox and this is a great uh, suppressor of all things happy and joyful um and they see calvinism as this abdur thing that's maybe that's maybe a more knowledgeable or at least part knowledgeable rejection from a, a certain uh, part of the community or uh, generational the younger people it's great they don't know anything you know they, they've got no preconceptions really other than they think the church is completely irrelevant but they don't have any real hang-ups i think generally they're much more open um but yeah i think institutional um cynicism and a very secular 
um, political environment which has been very anti-Christian in many ways, I think, uh, Mm. in Scotland particularly. Um, And that's been quite hard. Yeah. One... um... Another thing you said a moment ago, um, Derek, that really struck me. I love the, that that uh, that model of being a re- you know, as you say, a relational church rather than a programmatic church, and creating space for people to build those relationships. Do you know the more I both do evangelism and and engage in training others, I think that really is quite a big a big hurdle. Are there some ways and some strategies, some ideas that you've discovered that are really help- fruitful in helping Christians make those friendships? Because I sometimes find that people don't know how to do it. They don't know how to build those that, that those deep relationships with those around them so i definitely think clearing the decks in terms of the programs is one thing but then also really helping equip and train and motivate people to create those friendships with neighbors and colleagues and whatnot are there things that you found that have helped do that well i, I don't i wouldn't pretend to have the answers at all that's a really uh, great question and i think we're still always um addressing that issue um I think our people, generally speaking, have been good at building relationships, um, but I think the struggle is taking it to the next stage in terms of opening up about their faith. I mean, Scottish people, Presbyterian people, although our our congregation is very, very now, we've got people from all over the UK and the world, in fact, but Scottish people are not that open. Uh, Scottish Christians traditionally, I think, you know, there's just been this privatization of faith, and uh, it's, it's something that's very heartfelt and close, but but not something they have learned to share well, I think, uh, for lots of different reasons. But uh, I think it's for us the the challenge has been moving from building relationships and um, being accepted by. Uh, their culture and and uh, their community to then being confident enough to develop relationships that speak about their faith. Um, I think the the most probably the most common question we get from our own people is, "I'm not I'm not sure how to actually share Jesus," um, and that's that's the ongoing challenge for us is to equip people. Um, I think the other thing that's really the one thing that's really helped is is um, um, disabusing people of the notion that evangelism needs to be an indiv- just simply an individualistic thing. We try and encourage community and say, look, share your faith, share your friends with your your non-Christian friends with your Christian friends, uh, have them around together for a meal, uh, work in community, do things together, pray for one another. Uh, we've developed a, a prayer ministry really that's focused on uh, Christians getting together and praying naming people that they're uh, that they love and that they they care for and that they're witnessing to and uh, encouraging one another to do that um, so I think there's ways in which we can take away the fear factor a little bit by developing community more community-based evangelism and also just uh, I, I think people are scared of the word to be honest mm-hmm. they don't like the word evangelism I think it's scary um, and we talk about sharing life and faith as a sneaky way of, of talking about evangelism uh, without, I hope, uh, scaring people off too much. Because that's really what it is, isn't it? We're wanting people to share their faith and their lives with, with others. Mm. But I actually don't have a lot of answers, a lot of questions. <laughs> 
that's such a great way of kind of thinking about evangelism, just sharing your life and faith. You're, you're totally right. I think that's that's something that Andy and I have seen as well. And that's partly why I wanted to put this podcast together is so that listeners and you know ourselves can just be really deeply encouraged that talking about Jesus isn't a, you know, a, a expert specialist mm. niche. This is who we are as Christians. It's an outpouring and an overflow of our relationship with, with God. I'd love to hear you mentioned that, you know, sometimes people just say to you, you know, I'm not sure how to how to share Jesus. How how what's your response to that question? If someone says to you, you know, Derek, I don't know how to share Jesus, what how would you encourage them? What would you say? I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> um I think um I think a lot of it stems from a, a cult, uh, developing a culture in people's um, minds and lives that uh, the whole of their life is about uh, glorifying Jesus so that everything they do uh, has to be both prayerful and um, intentionally Christ-centered so that, you know, how they work in their in their office, how they respond, how they don't gossip or, or anything like that, uh, becomes the place that provides an opportunity for the they're sharing the gospel because you know the the famous passage that speaks about you know uh, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have does suggest that it's something that's triggered by by a witness by a life um, by a presence um, and I think that it has to be both and there has to be a consistency uh, a courage uh, compassion. That leads to uh, just very nat- very natural. And one thing I say to people is just um, rehearse it in in front of the mirror. What you would say, you know, ask ask yourself the question, or pre- pretend someone's asked you that question, and then just uh, answer it in the mirror on on your own, and and learn how to uh, personally. Uh, get the message across. I think there's a danger of, of the ticking the ABCs of getting all the truth out and uh, getting to the last point and say, hey, you know, you need to come to faith. And it's it's very kind of pro, almost programmatic, or, um, tick box, saying all the right things. But we try. I try to encourage people to say, well, you have to learn to tell your story about Jesus as it's, been real in your life and that's challenging for for us sometimes because it makes us think well how real is Jesus in my life and how what kind of relationship do I have and how can I get that across to someone who has never read the Bible who doesn't uh, know any of the terminology and uh, born again heaven hell uh, eternal life all these things are just weird concepts and so trying to get across um that these are the kind of things they need to learn to share uh, rather than having a a memorized uh, step-by-step story of the gospel, which is good to have, but it has to be adapted, I think, into people's personal contexts. Mm. That's very helpful, Derek, and I think a lot of wisdom in there. So so thank you for for that. One other thing that you you kind of let slip 
when we were chatting before the show began was as well as the church planting and the church-based ministry that you've been doing for sort of some 30 odd uh, years now which is amazing because quite frankly people who can't see Derek you don't really look old enough to be doing church-based ministry for 30 years um, you also do sports chaplaincy um, which is really interesting you are one of many pastors I have met who've begun to get in, in, in involved in that It'd be great to talk about, about that for a, for a few moments um, perhaps the first question would be why sports chaplaincy you are obviously busy with church planting church-based ministry that could take up all of your time but you've obviously seen an opportunity and a need to as it were extend your you know your your the, the, the sphere of your work by getting involved with with sports based stuff so why 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 the why the attraction and what uh, again what's uh, what draws you into that into that line of work um that's a great question i my wife has beaten me to it and she's been uh, a chaplain at hibs ladies for eight years um and so I've obviously had a lot of contact through her. Uh, and a couple of years ago, I became the chaplain to the men's team at Hibs. Um, and I know a, a lot of people who are involved in it. But for me, it was it was really very important because, as you know, ministers don't live in the real world. We just float about in our study and study the Bible and read Calvin and do all these kind of things. And we don't actually ever really meet uh have many opportunities to meet people, ordinary people who are not uh, Christians. Something we do with our neighbours and maybe when our kids are in school, we get to meet parents and things like that. And these have been in the past great opportunities for me. But I was feeling increasingly isolated from the real world. And um, it's been an absolutely brilliant opportunity for me to learn a lot about uh Obviously, a particularly a particular environment, sport environment, it's quite unusual in some ways. Um, but there's, I meet up with a lot of staff um, who work for the club as well, and to be in an environment where there's very, very few Christians, and not be the minister, as it were, not be the pastor, to be a chaplain, which, and I'm their first chaplain. I'm the first chaplain they've had in the men's game there. Um, it was such. It was taking me out of my comfort zone so much. I mean, I love football. I love sport. Uh, I'm a hip supporter, which helped. But it, to be stuck in a role where people say, "Well, what are you doing here? Uh, uh, why are you here? What, what are you about? What's what's a chaplain?" Um, and it was usually highlighted by the fact that they never had to write anything down about the chaplaincy. They spelt it C-H-A-P-L-I-N, as in Charlie, because uh, they didn't realise the difference, I think, between Charlie Chaplin, me, and chaplaincy. Um, but it's been a fantastic... It, there are many days... I mean, I go in every week, once a week, so it's a priority. It's a, a whole uh, half a day that I go in, so it's a big chunk of my time. And some people have asked, well, why are you doing that? It seems a bit excessive. Uh, but to me, it's the most important thing in a sense that I do because it's it's just given me so much insight into how people are thinking and the lives they're living and how to uh, live as a, as a presence, as a Christian presence in, in that environment and to build relationships. There's many days for the first year and a half, I think I drove, I drove out to HTC thinking, what am I doing? You know, this is just so awkward and difficult. But it's been humbling. Uh, it's it's driven me greatly to prayer. I've got a prayer support network for it, um, and yeah, I'm beginning to see 
uh, cracks in the rock um, and it's been really great so that's why I got into it I think because there's a lot of lost souls in the in the football world and uh, any sporting world I think that is so encouraging Derek and just heartwarming um, in a really deep way to know that God sends his people into these um, particularly really hard and difficult context in order to be a light for him you know and that he has he has sent you to to do that there that that is really remarkable thank you so much for for serving us and the lord by doing that uh, what what kind of things do like the players you know talk to you about what kind of conversations have you had with them it's it's, it's still mainly relational relationship building uh, there's been a couple of guys at various points uh, have had um maybe crisis or something where they've come and spoken to me, but I think it fits in very much with um, living as a Christian in the world. It's long-term commitment, um, prayerful uh, remembrance of them recognizing they're great people, but they're losing, they're, they're missing the most important thing in life, even though they're chasing this kind of amazing uh, lifestyle in, in many ways. Um, I, I got, for the first time last week, I actually got the opportunity to speak to the squad, the, all the guys together, um, for various reasons that hadn't happened. Um, but I ended up uh, by just saying, Look, I'm going to say the, the most uncool thing you'll hear, hear all weekend, uh, and I guarantee you'll never have heard it in the squad room before, he said, but uh, I just want to say that I pray for you all. Uh, I pray for your families, I pray for your lives, I pray for any of you that might have uh, issues that uh, you're dealing with on your own uh, in the loneliness of that and uh, encouraging you to talk to someone. And it was just a kind of next stepping stone, I think, to uh, just being myself. And, you know, it's a very uncool thing to say to a bunch of players, footballers, you know, young guys. But um, I think you've just got to be honest and say these things and hope that God honours that with a ne- the next step at some point. That's a that's a great place to to bring it to a close at the the top of the show. And what I like about that that observation there, Derek, I mean that applies to any of us wherever we are. If you're in the in there with the players, if you're in the workplace or at your school and you're a Christian you want to share your faith, you know, be real, be honest, be yourself, mm. pray for the Lord to work through that. You don't have to be you know, a million dollar evangelist. Well, we need a million one dollar evangelists, and uh, it's amazing what God can do with that. Well, Derek, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to be on uh, on Pep Talk, and uh, I hope that people found this uh, interesting and encouraging. Uh, so, once again, thanks for being with us. And uh, Christy and I will be back in two weeks' time with another episode and another guest. So, do join us then. So, it's uh, from me and uh, Christy and Derek. It's uh, goodbye, and uh, may the Lord bless you as you seek to share Christ with your friends, neighbors, and colleagues. Bye for now.